these things. But above all, we need to pray and believe uh, the Lord uh, in these last days for a move of his spirit. Uh, this morning I was coming down the road here. I was on my way down here about 530 this morning. And, uh, you know, just that we need a move. We need to move now more than ever before. And I can tell you, uh, and I'm not sure that if, and I'll take just a few moments, if some of you have seen the video that has been going around online uh, on Facebook, but it was sent to me by uh, the other pastor at our other location in Denver, and it has actually circulated quite all around, even being broadcast on SBN on Francis of France the last two days. Uh, but the guy, and I cannot, I believe his first name is Dana. Uh, it, it was a long video, and I won't go through the long, uh, timing of it, but I believe every word that was spoken. Yeah. I believe every word that was said. Uh, I do believe that it is of the Lord. And if that be the case, the words, the two words, grace yourself, uh, was spoken, especially regarding this coming November. Um, either way, and I know what we're praying for and believing for, uh, that the Lord would have his way in this election. But either way, I feel like uh, uh, trouble will arise from him. Whether Trump gets back in or whether he don't get back in, and if or if he doesn't get back in, we the church uh, we're going we're facing dark, dark, dark days. Uh, but we need Trump to get back in because we believe that the Lord placed him there for such a time as this mm -hmm. to give us the liberties and the freedoms to be able to preach. And this is not a Republican issue or a Democratic issue. But if you search the issues out and you don't just believe everything that you hear on the media, you will see uh, that had he not had gotten in, we would not have the freedoms that we have even right now to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And let me just say that if you ever lose your freedoms, it is very hard to ever get them back. And the greatest freedom that we could ever have is the freedom to be of speech and to be able to proclaim the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I don't think that people realize that in these last days that we've got demon spirits within this country that is trying to do everything they can to stop us from preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we're not voting on first pastor here. We're not voting on who's the best Christian. We're voting on who allows us the freedoms to be able to proclaim and who lines up most with the word of Almighty God. We don't agree with everything that President Trump says and we pray for his soul. But again, it's the fact that we've got the freedoms to be able to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. And we stand behind the one who believes in the right of life. Amen. We don't stand behind those that believe that abortion is all right and you can murder a baby at nine months old. You know, it's wrong like that. And so we uphold and we pray for him as the Bible instructs us. Paul says to pray for those that are over you, and that's what you should be doing each and every single day and for this country, that God will send peace to this country now more than ever before. We know we're in the last days. We know that it's not going to get any better until Jesus Christ comes. We understand that, but it still does not neglect the fact that we should be praying for peace because we need to, there is a harvest of souls that are yet to be won, and I'm believing for the greatest move of the Holy Spirit yes. now more than ever before. Amen. And that is going to bring in that harvest of souls. The Bible said, Jesus said it in John chapter 4. Lift up your eyes and look. The problem is, is the eyes of the church have been down. But he said, lift them up. Look, for the harvest is ready. It's right now. It ain't for us. It's right now. And the Lord is getting ready to pour out his spirit. And you mark my words, those of you that are sitting here, those of you that are watching, that I'm believing in the day. And it's going to be very, very soon that the doors, there's going to be a line of people coming in here. And I believe that the power of God's going to hit them in the parking lot. I believe they're going to get saved even before we can go into the first song. I believe those that are sick are going to be healed. Why? Because he said in the last days I will pour out my spirit. But I think that the church and many in the church is neglectful in thinking that this 
outpouring of the Holy Spirit doesn't come with the price. But I can tell you that if you read the book of Acts, you will see where persecution always accompanies the outpouring of the Holy Spirit. So we need to be prayed up. We need to make sure our hearts and our minds are meditated upon him and that we are sold out for him. Amen. Amen. And I will say this too. If there's never been a time where relationship is ongoing with the Lord, it better be right now. The days of just showing up on Sunday, the days of just showing up on Wednesday and getting a goosebump, they're over. You better be seeking the Lord and getting in his presence each and every single day because that's what it's going to take to be able to withstand in these last days. Because again, we've got the powers of darkness, but I can stand here today and know that greater is he that is within me than he that is in the world. There's no fear that is there no matter what is going on. I can care less what the, the Democrats say, what the Republicans say. I'm more interested in what the Lord's got to say. Amen. And I know that by the signs of the time, he is on his way back. And there throws a smile upon my face. But though he is coming back, he said, I will do a new thing and shall you not know it. I'm excited to see what he's going to do today. I'm excited to see what he's going to do tomorrow. Amen. And this is the greatest time, I believe, of history to be able to be alive, to know that we are going to be a part of this last great move of the Holy Spirit that this world has ever seen. And I am excited. I just know that we are on the edge of it. I feel like it's just a dam that is there and the water is just ready to gush out. And then just any moment, it's getting ready to pull back and the water's going to flow. And I'm telling you, get ready. Amen. Get ready because what we've been preaching, what we've been seeking the Lord for, what we've been expecting him to do, he's saying expect to receive. Amen. Expect to receive what you've been seeking the Lord for. Amen. Amen. Alright, well let me get off of that because I can preach all night long on that. But anyway, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Tonight, thank you uh, for those of you that are joining online. More of you share this video tonight uh, as we're going to the Lord in prayer and get into our study. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come to you tonight in the name of your Son, Jesus. Lord, we thank you for your pr the privilege to be able to come before the throne room of grace. Lord, we thank you, Lord, for another opportunity, Lord, to gather into your house tonight. Lord, we sense your presence is already here tonight, God. And Lord, we thank you, Lord, that we can come together, Lord. And your word says that we're two or three are gathered in my name. There you are in the midst. God, you're here right now, Lord. You're in the midst of us. Lord, we believe you're right there with those that are watching, God, those that will watch, Lord, because your anointing and your spirit is not bound by four walls, Lord, but it will go forth, God, and we are believing that tonight you're going to move and have your way, Lord. God, we ask, Lord, that you would move on every need that is here within the hearts and lives of your people, those that are watching by the way of internet, God, no matter what the issue is, Lord, you said, bring it unto you and you will give us rest, Lord, for those that are sick in body, Lord, we believe that you are the healer, God, and we ask that healing waters would flow into those bodies, Lord, and bring healing to them, Lord, for the families, Lord, of each and every one of us that we have that is lost and undone. God, we're believing you in these last days to not only convict their heart, to not only grip their heart, Lord God, with the spirit of conviction, but Lord, we're believing that, God, they're going to come to you, Jesus. We're believing that all the prayers that we prayed, all the tears that we have shed, the times that we've cried their name out before you, Lord. We're believing, God, we are going to see the fruit of those prayers, Lord, as we see them give their heart and life to Jesus Christ. Lord, we believe the prodigals are coming home, Lord. We claim it in the name of your son, Jesus Christ. And Lord, we pray for our country. Lord, we need a move of the Holy Spirit now more than ever before, God. I pray you strengthen your people. Encourage your people, Lord, for us to be able to stand in these last days, God. And Lord, let us continue to seek your face. Lord, let us not believe the lies of what 
boats coming out of Washington, yes. God. But Lord, let us look to you. Let us yes. read your word. Let us expect to receive, Lord, what you have for us, God. And I'm expecting and I'm yes. anticipating, Lord, the greatest move of your spirit to come yes. not only to this country, but to this world one more time. God, we ask, Lord, that you bring it here to Yakinville, Lord. Bring it to this house, Lord. God, we desire you, Lord. God, it doesn't matter if the others don't want you, Lord. We want you here, Lord. We want to see salvation. We want to see broken lives mended, Lord. We want to see the drug addict set free. We want to see the alcoholic set free, Lord. We want to see the sexual immorality, Lord, people set free, God. And we know that you're able to do it, God. And we're believing you, Lord, for a harvest of souls here, for believers to be baptized into your Holy Spirit, for divine healings and miracles, Lord, to take place again, Lord. And God, we trust, Lord God, in you and what you're allowing us to go through right now, God. And we believe that on the other side of this, Lord, is God is going to come great and mighty things, Lord. God, we ask, Lord, that tonight, Lord, you would be with us. Help us, Lord. Anoint us to rightly divide your word. Help us to teach and do your word. No harm tonight. And Lord, we'll forever give you the praise for it all. In Jesus' mighty name, and everyone said, amen and amen. Amen. All right. <clears throat> Romans chapter 6 again. We have been there, it seems like, for several, several weeks, and uh, but the word is good, amen. And we, you, and this is what Bible study is all about, amen. There's a time for preaching, but there's a time for teaching. And when you begin to teach the word of God and you begin to do a deep dive, if you will, into the word, you just continuously learn, amen. And you are able to pull from it. Uh, and, the whole, and as long as you come into it uh, with the heart of, of desiring to know more about him, and that you pray that the uh, Lord would open up the, uh, your eyes and enlighten the eyes of your understanding. Yes. You can rest assured that the Holy Spirit's going to teach you. Yes. Amen. Amen. So Romans chapter 6 again. Uh, was talking about victory over sin. This is the fifth week uh, that we've been in it. I'm going to see if maybe this will be the week that we finish up on victory over sin before we move into the next a part of this chapter, but we'll just see uh, where the Lord takes us. Amen. So chapter 6, verse 7 through 11, Paul would write, For he who is dead is freed from sin. Now, if we be dead with Christ, we believe that we shall also live with him. Knowing that Christ being raised from the dead dies no more. Death has no more dominion over him. For in that he died, he died unto sin once. But in that he lives, he lives unto God. Likewise, reckon you also yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin, but alive unto God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So many people may be asking and wondering why are we spending the time that we have spent uh, dealing with the sin nature regarding how we as believers are to live our lives, how we are to live victoriously over sin. And I said it the other day, and I'm going to say it again today, that the person of Christ should be preached. Amen. It should be taught. We should know that he is still the healer. We should know that he is still the savior. We should still know that he is the miracle worker, that he is still the baptizer. We should know these things. And within the first four uh, books of the New Testament, known as the four gospels, you will read and learn all about the person of Christ. Amen. But when it comes to Paul and dealing with the 14 epistles that he wrote, Paul does not deal with the person of Christ as the writers of the four gospels did, but rather he deals with the work of Christ. Amen. Now think about that. There's 14 epistles within the New Testament that are dealing with the work of Christ. 
It was what we mean when we say the work of Christ, meaning what he there did at Calvary. So the idea, and the many have it, that, oh, well, we know that Christ died on the cross for our sins, and that's it. Oh, no, my friend, there's a whole lot much more to this, because if there wasn't, then there would have not been a need that the Holy Spirit seems to move upon Paul to write 14 epistles dealing with how the law is no more, and dealing with how now our faith should be anchored in Christ, and what he there did at Calvary. And not only that, but that looking to Christ and his finished work is what we are to do now as believers, and by doing so, will give us what we need to be able to live for the Lord, which is the power of the Holy Spirit, and in return, we will be able to live victorious over the sin nature. Amen. That's what we need to know. And so you can continuously teach on this again and again and again and pull more and more and more out of it. And it's only going to be more beneficial to your walk with the Lord. Amen. So when you read Paul's epistles, and especially here in Romans 6, you see how he goes into great detail explaining how we as believers were set free from the sin nature now that we have accepted Christ. Amen. So many may say, well, we know this. Many believers may say, well, yeah, we know that he set us free. And they look at the cross, and again, the, the, the idea and the, and the understanding and the concept of the cross, when the, you talk about it, is that he saved me from my sins so that I don't have to go to hell. And let me just say this, that, that if that is the extent of your knowledge of the cross, praise God. Amen? Because that's what it takes to be saved, to know that Jesus Christ died on the cross, became a sin offering, became our substitute so that you and I don't have to die and go to hell. Amen? And if there's nothing else that one knows about the cross but that, praise God, that's what it takes to get to heaven. Amen. But the Holy Spirit does not want that to be the extent of our knowledge of the finished work of Calvary. He desires that we go on to do what? Grow in grace. Well, how does one grow in grace with the Lord Jesus Christ? How does one continue to go deeper into the waters that we were talking about? It is by looking to Christ and what he has there done. And as you continue to grow in grace, the Holy Spirit is going to continue to reveal to you more and more of Christ and what he has done for us at the cross. Amen? Each and every single day, Lord, open the eyes of my understanding. Reveal to me, God, I will all of the benefits of Calvary. Amen. As believers, we have the benefits because we're in Christ. But the reason why we don't see the benefits playing out in our life is because we're not looking to the sole source of the benefits that he has for us. Amen. He is the source and the means by which we can receive all of these blessings that God has for us is found only in the cross. And we got to get that tonight. Everything that we need tonight from God the Father is found in one place and one place only. It's not found in ten. It's not found in five. It's found in one place and one place only, and it's the cross. We're not talking about the wooden beam because there's no power in the wood there, amen? But the power in what we're talking about is what there took place in his death. In what Christ did. Because everything that Adam lost, the second Adam, the last Adam, came in and won back for you and I so that we now can reap, that we can now live in and enjoy. God never designed and desired for man to live without. He gave everything that Adam needed 
But we know when sin entered in, he lost it all there. But yet the last Adam came in, fulfilled the law, won everything back that was lost in the garden for you and for me. Amen. He done that. Why? Because he loves us. Because he loves you. Because he loves me. For the Bible tells me so. It goes back to what we learned as little children in Sunday school. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting lasting life. Amen. All right. So again, we, we live our lives contrary to what we say that we know. And we say we, we know all about the cross, which is impossible for one to exhaust the finished work of Calvary. And many people, though, God's people, believers that love the Lord with all of their heart, many of them spirit-filled, are still living in bondage today to the sin nature. Now, what do we mean when we say bondage to the sin nature? It's the same thing if you were to go back to the book of Exodus where God's children were in Pharaoh's captivity. They were there. They were slaves to the enemy. And that is exactly the picture of many of God's children today. They've been blood-bought. They've been saved. They've been set free. But yet they are still in bondage to the enemy. They're not, their desires of their heart has changed. The Holy Spirit is living inside of them, but yet we see the clinging minds of the fall that is trying to hold on to them. Just as Moses went before Pharaoh seven times and said, let my people go. We see that after the first time, Pharaoh didn't let him go. It wasn't the second time. It wasn't the third time, which shows us and pictures to us that when the believer goes before the Lord and continues to evidence faith in what Christ has done regarding whatever problem may be in their life, Satan don't let go easy. Because he's trying to do everything he can to hold you in. And in fact, many times the problem will get even worse. But if you don't quit, God won't quit. And just as the children of Israel ended up walking up out of Egypt, you too can walk in freedom. And if you won't quit, that bondage that may be there, whatever it may be, will go in the name of Jesus. Because your faith is being exclusively maintained in Christ and what he's done. The moment that we begin to shift it is the moment that we are denied the help of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit works within the parameters of the finished work of Calvary. And the moment that we shift our focus, our faith, and listen, it is so easy to do. We go through trials, we go through storms, we go through a lot of stuff each and every single day. But and it is so easy to shift our faith, our focus away from the finished work of Calvary, which is where our help comes from, and begin to focus it on the problem. And that's what the enemy wants us to do. And then when we, he's got our attention on the problem, then automatically what do we do? We set at ourselves and try to defeat something that's already been defeated and already been won for us. See, it's been won for you. It's there. It's there. The prize is there. It's been done for us. It's a finished work, and all we have to do is take it up. That's what he means when he said in Luke 9, 23, if you're going to come after me, deny yourself, realize that you've got no abilities, you've got nothing within yourself that can help yourself, and take up the cross, meaning take up the benefits of what I have done for you. Take them up. Take up what I've done, and now follow me, because you can't adequately follow him without the help of the Holy Spirit, and the way we get that help, the way we're able to reap in those benefits and see them played out in our life is by first denying ourselves, which is the hardest thing that we will ever do, because or something inside of us and it stems from that same nature that says you can do it. 
that says, I can do it. And what is that called? It's called pride. It's called pride. And it's not hard. And it's the hardest thing that will ever go in the life of a believer because, again, there's something innate within us that makes us think that we can do it. Galatians 5 even says that if you try and live by the law, what does he say? That Christ has become of no effect unto you. If we try to live by the law, he said Christ has become of no effect to you, meaning that what he there did at the cross has got no effect on your life whatsoever because you think that you can now keep the law. You can't keep the law. And if you try to live by the law instead of by simple faith in Christ and what he's done, then you will see in Galatians 5 what ends up happening. You've got the works of the flesh being manifested in your life. Because you're not walking after the Spirit. Paul said it in Galatians chapter 5 that if you walk in the Spirit, you shall not fulfill the lust, the, the lust of the flesh. And let me say this. Many Pentecostals believe that when we say walk in the Spirit, it means get baptized in the Holy Spirit and you won't have any problems. Or if you're, and if you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, speak in tongues more and more and more, and you won't fulfill the lust of the flesh. And I can tell you today that you can be filled with the Spirit, speak in tongues all day long, and you should exercise that. I, I pray in tongues every day in my life. It edifies the spiritual man. But your victory is not in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You can do that all day long and still be failing the Lord as we see in chapter 7 of Romans 6 that Paul did. Paul was saved, spirit-filled, a preacher of the gospel and still failing the Lord because your victory is not in the baptism. Your victory is in the finished work of Calvary. So it says walk in the Spirit, meaning walk in the Holy Spirit, walk in the power of what he's done, and it's only in the cross. And if you do that and you walk after him and the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set me free from the law of sin and death. If you follow after Christ and what he's done, then you're not going to fulfill the lust of the flesh because you're walking in the power and the might of the Holy Spirit. But the moment that we shift our faith, then we're going to fulfill the lust of the flesh because we're depending upon self to be able to live this life that he has called us to live. Hosea 4, 6 says, my people are destroyed for lack of knowledge. The word destroyed means to be dumb, to cut down, to be undone. And this is the cause of all the problems within the church today and the world for that matter pertaining to the believer because we don't understand what took place at Calvary because we don't understand and aren't growing in knowledge pertaining to his finished work then the problem is is we're not living victorious over the sin nature but yet we see the sin nature having dominion over the believer. Now, this shoots down a lot of theology and makes a lot of religious people mad, the self-righteous people, because they do not believe whatsoever that you can truly be saved and love the Lord with everything within you and still be in bondage to sin. But you can you can. Paul was, and if the apostle Paul was, that I know for a fact that each and every one of us have traveled down that road, and the majority of the Christian world is facing the same thing and still upon that road. There is only one road to victory, and it's faith in Christ and what he's done, the one who said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. Amen. So I've heard it said before, and I believe it was Brother Lauren Mars on SBN who said that before God will give you, he will give you something and then explain it later. 
He'll give you something and explain it later. And it's just like if you, because if he waited to explain it first, we would never understand it. Because can I tell you that an experience, an encounter is better than an explanation. Right, it's always better than an explanation. I can explain to the lost man all day long what it is like to be saved. But until that person steps into the waters, amen, and gets ankle deep, until that person tastes and sees, they're never going to truly know and and truly be able to grasp the goodness of the Lord. You've got to taste and see that the Lord is good. Amen. And until a person steps in, they'll never truly understand. Christ saved us. You didn't have to know all about salvation. You sure didn't know how grace worked. You just heard that Jesus died for your sins, that you're a sinner and that you need to repent. You didn't know everything about it. You didn't want to require to go to a four-year college and get a seminary degree. No, you just need to hear that Jesus died. He convicted your heart, drew you to him, and there you said yes and received salvation. It was after you got saved that you began to learn the ABCs of our salvation. Amen? You begin to learn that now we live by faith. We begin to learn more of what Christ did for us. Amen. It's the same way about victory, about living a victorious life over sin. Here we got saved. We didn't know about how we could live victoriously. But after we've gotten saved, now the Holy Spirit begins to teach us what exactly took place for us at Calvary. We couldn't grasp at all as a sinner what truly took place. We just need to know that he died to save us. That right there is all we needed to know. That's where the milk of the word comes in, eh, right? We need the milk like that before we can get the meat. But now that we've got saved, we see Paul here goes into greater detail, greater explanation of what truly took place at the cross. All you needed to know at first was that he's died to give you forgiveness of sins. Now that you've received that, now that you've got the dwelling of the Holy Spirit who can help you to understand, to rightly divide the word. He's now going to point you back to the cross and begin to open up the eyes of your understanding to see, hey, look what was really accomplished for you at Calvary, that you were set free the moment that you said yes to Jesus Christ, that the relationship to that sin nature that was once there has now been broken, that you are dead to the sin nature, and now you are alive in Christ Jesus. Jesus, and now you can live a new life in him, a resurrected life in him, free and, and victorious over the flesh, the world, and the devil. You can have that. We do have that. And the Holy Spirit is his job to open up our eyes for us to be able to see it. So understand that Paul here is writing to believers. Now think about this. Paul's not writing to unbelievers. Paul is writing to believers about the subject of the sin nature, which tells us, again, that the believer has been baptized into Christ, is still having a problem with the sin nature in the heart and life. He's not talking unbelievers because Paul would not have put himself in with the word we. When he said we, he was talking about himself and talking about to the ones that he was writing. He would have never classified and ranked himself with an unbeliever, amen? So when he says we, he's talking about you. He's talking about me. He's talking about himself. Ones that have accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. The ones that have been baptized into his death. 
Amen? The ones that has been placed into his death, that now has taken in on his identity, because the Holy Spirit took you, the believing sinner, placed you into Christ, and when Christ died, you died. Christ got buried, you got buried. Christ raised up, you raised up, but not as the old man, but a new creature now in Christ Jesus. So our identity with him through, by death, uh, our identity with him by death, because the moment you said yes to Christ, again, the Holy Spirit took you and placed you in him. So where the sin nature was reigning, where the sin nature was holding the monarch of your heart, if you will, no longer reigns. Well, how is it that the sin nature can no longer reign over you? Because the debt of sin has been paid. The debt of sin has been paid. Before the debt of sin was paid, before Christ died on Calvary's cross, it could hold uh, people in the captivity. But the moment that he died on Calvary's cross, he paid the debt of sin. And now that the person who has accepted Jesus Christ, the sin nature can no longer reign. Why? Because he's been set free. The relationship to that nature has died because it controlled the old you. See, the sin nature had dominion on the old you. The sin nature doesn't have dominion and lordship over the new you. And that's what we don't realize. See, there's two different people, the old man and the new man. The sin nature ruled over the old man. The sin nature ain't supposed to be ruling over the new man. Well, who's ruling over me? The Holy Spirit. The divine nature, the very nature of God is now inside of you through the person of the Holy Spirit who now leads us, who now guides us, who's changed everything about us, our desires, the members of our body, everything. But so if we're being if we're underneath the dominion of that sin nature before, it's not because of the fault of the Lord. He set us free. He set us free. But the reason why we're back up underneath that dominion of that sin nature who controlled is because we're not staying in Christ. We look to the cross for what he's done for us. We view him for salvation, but then we mosey right on and we try to live this life on our own. And he's never called you to live this life on your own. And it's so much easier to rest in Christ. The problem is, is there's too many believers that don't trust the finished work. Right. They don't trust that when he finished the work, when he said it is finished, that it is finished. They believe that they've got to go on and do something to defeat the problems, to, uh, to uh, gain something from the Lord. Instead of just trusting that he's already done it. And if I stay in Christ and seek first the kingdom of God, the things that I need is going to be added to me. We can't even seek first the kingdom of God because we're out here trying to acquire and get everything else that we need. When he said, no, seek first the kingdom, stay in me, and I'm going to give you everything that you need. Because it comes through the person of Christ. Amen? And so again, the sin nature lost control over us when we die. So Paul was dealing with the sin nature and its dominion if you will, in the life of a believer. Now, there will be many people that will say, well, there's no way that the sin nature still exists in the believer. Well, the Bible says in 1 John 1, 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. Right. See, when he says that we have no sin, he's talking about the sin nature. You and I, as believers, still possess the sin nature. It's still there. 
What took place at Calvary when you got saved was that the power of the sin nature was taken away. It was debunked. It was it was done away with, unplugged, if you will. It's still there. It's like a lamp in a room. When you unplug the lamp, guess what goes off? The light. But the lamp is still there in the room, right? We've all got them. But the moment you plug the lamp back up, the light comes on. That's like the sin nature. There you are. You're the temple of the Holy Spirit. It's just like your home. But even though the lamp's been unplugged, the sin nature's been unplugged, you've been unplugged from it, it still exists within inside of us. And the reason why it can rain is because when we shift our faith from Christ, guess what? We plug right back up to the dominion of the sin nature. Okay? It's still there. The presence of the sin nature is still there. The power of the sin nature is gone. That's what Paul here is saying. For he who is dead is free from the sin. If you're free from the sin nature, the dominion. It's been unplugged. It's still there. That lamp's still there. But it's been unplugged and there's no power running to it. But the moment that you unplug from the Holy Spirit and you unplug from Christ and what he's done, you're plugging right back up to the sin nature and it's, it's going to begin to cause you now terrible problems as a believer because you don't want that to take place in your life and you're going to see failure take place in your life because you're not connected up to the right source amen so again we don't deny the presence of it but we do say that the power has been stripped away so again well why does this nature still exist within us because if the sin nature didn't exist within us we would never die we would never die we would never age. We would never have pain in our body. We would, we would always just live here. And it's like, no, no, that's the sin nature still there. The power's gone. The presence is still there. But one day when we receive our glorified bodies, glorification, the third installment of our salvation, we are not going to have to worry about the sin nature anymore because the very presence of it's going to be stripped away because this soul flesh is going to go back to where it come from and I'm going to receive a glorified body. My soul and spirit is going to get inside of it, amen. It ain't made of blood, but it's made of the Spirit, amen. So now that we've died with Christ, we're free from it and its dominion. And so now we're controlled by the Holy Spirit who is going to produce the righteousness and the holiness and the fruit of the Spirit in and through our bodies only as we yield to Christ. See, the Holy Spirit has control once you get saved. But for him to maintain control of your life, it requires our obedience to him by looking to Christ and what he has done for us each and every single day. The activity of the cross. Amen. You see, the greatest freedom that one could ever experience and have is not freedom of the world the way the world defines it but rather freedom from sin. And I thought, how fitting of it is it that this weekend is the 4th of July when we celebrate our freedom as a country, amen? We celebrate our independence. And people will go out and wave flags, and it is absolutely still wonderful. And thank God for those that have given the ultimate sacrifice so that we can be free, so that we can live in the greatest nation 
upon the world. Amen. And people will have parades. People will do all of this and that and the other. And we celebrate that day. But can I tell you the greatest freedom that one can ever have is freedom from sin. Amen. That is the greatest freedom that you and I could ever experience in our lives is the freedom from sin. Amen. And this freedom is not found in anything or anyone else but except in one person and his name is Jesus Christ. And I love that song that says he's the chain breaker. If you got chains, he's the yeah. chain breaker. Amen. If you got pain, he's the pain taker. Well, how can he take away the pain? How can he heal us? Because of what he did at Calvary. Our freedom is in a man, a man, and in the man, Christ Jesus. And the Bible says that where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty, amen. And because you now house the presence of the Lord, there's freedom, freedom to worship him, amen. Freedom to come before his very presence, freedom to come into the throne room of grace. Do you realize that us wicked, vile people that we are now have access into the throne room of God, not because we're anything, not because we've done everything right, because you and I know that we still fail. We still come way short of the glory of God and from the standard of which we should be. But because of our representative man, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, you and I in the name of Jesus can walk right in and have access into the throne room of God and don't have to have no fear of condemnation. Don't have to have fear of judgment. Don't have to worry about getting kicked out. But yet welcome. Why? Because he sees his son Jesus Christ. Amen. And we've got access to the, to the creator of this world. And we think our problems are too big for him, the one who done it all. We've got access unto him through Christ Jesus. But never forget that the reason why we've got access to God, the reason why we've got that privilege is because of what he did 2,000 years ago. And we forget that, that every time we get down on our knees, that's why praise should all, always go before the Lord and thanking him for what he done because had it not have been for Calvary 2,000 years ago, you and I can never go before him and got saved, number one. Number two, ask him to heal our bodies when we've been sick. Bring others before him. He wouldn't even be able to hear us. But because of what Christ Jesus has done, you now have access to step into the throne room of grace uh -huh. to yeah. obtain the mercy that you and I need each and every single day and then find that grace to help us in the time of need. And I don't know about you, but I need his help each and every single day. And the reason why I can receive it is because of the blood of Jesus yeah. Christ. No wonder Paul said, God forbid that I should preach anything else, say Jesus. Jesus Christ and him crucified. God forbid that I preach anything other than the cross. It's all because of what he has done for us. Amen. Uh, amen. John 8, 36 says, If the Son therefore shall make you free. You see, you see it is a person who makes you free. When he says that the Son has made you free, law didn't make you free. It was a person who made you free. And that person made you free by his death. So if the, the person is Christ Jesus, he made you free by his death. The Bible now says you shall be. Not might be, not may be, but shall be. It's a guaranteed fact. How is it that he can say shall be and a guaranteed fact? Because Jesus Christ was the very Lamb of God who was spotless, who was righteous. And when he shed his blood, he atoned for all sin. That's why John the Baptist said he comes to take away the sin of the world. Uh -huh. He set you free, and it's a shall be guaranteed fact 
that you are free the moment that you get saved. Amen? Free meaning that I'm no longer a slave. I'm no longer shackled. I'm no longer chained up. I'm no longer restrained. But now I am free to live in Christ Jesus. Amen? Amen. I could just imagine myself that if I was in a jail cage, that's the way I imagine it, in a little 6 by 6 or 8 by 8 cell, chained up, shackles all around me, being commanded to do everything that the slave, uh, that the enemy, the devil himself, the father of us all before we got saved was commanding me to do. But then Jesus Christ came walking by your way and all you had to do was say yes to him. And the moment you said yes, every chain, every shackle, every lock that the enemy had on you came falling off right then and there. He didn't have to go get three or four keys. It was one key. The blood of Jesus took care of every lock that was upon you. And it set you free, and it busted open that door. And he says, now go free, because he did the work. Amen. You see, the cross is what it took to free us from sin, because we cannot liberate ourselves. This is why Paul said, I declare to know nothing among you, save Christ and him crucified. The greatest liberation that one could ever have is the, is the liberation of the soul. From the dominion of sin. You see the world is lost. And doesn't see a need for the cross. But the sadness and tragedy. Is that the church don't see the need for the cross. Anymore. The church recognizes. That there is a need for change. Even after salvation. But the problem. The tragedy is. That they have replaced the cross. For psychology and for works. You see it's got to be the cross. You've got to have it to be changed. And to be transformed into his image. Why? Because the Holy Spirit is the one who transforms us. You can't change yourself. I can't change myself. We all agree to that, right? But the way we get changed is only through the person of the Holy Spirit, amen? And the way he works is by us looking to Calvary. Psychology ain't going to change you. Works won't change you. No good disciplines that you do will change you. It is by looking to Christ each and every single day that allows him to transform us and make us more into the image of Christ. You see, man-made ideas, man-made power won't change us. We need dunamis power, Holy Ghost power to change me. Buddy, I'm thick-headed. Amen. I, 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 I'm my own worst enemy. You want to know who your worst enemy is? Look into the mirror. Right. It's you. It's right. me. And I need Holy Ghost power to change yeah. me. To make me more like him. Amen. We need a savior to be saved. And we still need a savior to stay saved. And to be changed. The savior came only through the cross. So the work that needs to be done. Again is by the person of Christ. And his ability and leverage to be able to get it done is by simple faith in his accomplished work and nothing else. You can't add to this. Because the moment that you add to it, you, it diminishes the help and the power. The power is solely in the cross. The moment you begin to add works to it, the power ceases. And therefore, there's going to be no change that takes place in us. So now that I'm dead and I've been baptized into Christ, I'm free from the sin nature. And now I can live unto God. I can walk in victory. Whereas before, all I could do was be bound. Do you realize to be bound carries the idea of no movement, but constraint. 
You were set free by his blood and you can now walk in victory, which is in the cross and not underneath the dominion, the lordship of the sin nature any longer. Because Christ Jesus is the channel by which victory comes and nowhere else. See, the problem is, is too many in the church is looking again to another avenue, to another outlet for the victory. And he is saying that you're already set free. You don't have to go looking for victory. You've got victory. Victory is not in something you do. Victory is in a person. The victor, amen. He's already won it. And if we're dead with him, then we believe that we shall live with him, amen. But verse 8, he says, now. Just that one word, now, if we are dead. Right now. Right now. Not tomorrow. Not next week. Not after you prove yourself. Not after the probationary period. Right. There ain't no probationary period after you get saved. No, you get saved. You're set free. You've yes. got it all. You don't have to go and live like people would tell you to do. For Well, I'll see after three months if they really mean business. Right, right. No. Right now. Yeah. The moment you get saved, you're set free. You've got victory. You can now walk in the newness of life. You don't have to go and prove yourself to the Lord before he turns right around and says, okay, now I'll give you victory. No, right now, today, victory is mine. Today, victory is mine. So as a saved individual, I can now walk out this new creation that I am because of the grace that's been extended unto me and given me the power to live free from the sin nature. Amen. You see, the purpose of us dying with Christ on the cross is not just to set free from the penalty, but from the dominion. Amen. You see, we want to move on from the cross. That's the problem with mankind. That's the problem with us after we get saved. We want to move on past the cross. But when you move past the cross, you step right back into bondage. I envision it that here before salvation was bondage. Here now is freedom. Now we're to walk in victory. And so now moving forward is walking in victory. The Lord always goes forward. Grace goes forward, never backward. But we get saved, and because we move, and we don't now walk in Christ, this road that he's called us to live by staying in him, what we do is we step right back into bondage that he delivered us from. And it's a shame. It's so sad that that's what's happened to many believers and they're still there. They've been set free. The Christ has done it all for them, has given to them everything that they need. But because they don't know this, they step right back into what they know before it, which is law and works. That's why Paul said to be not entangled again in the yoke of bondage. Don't be entangled again in it. You've been set free. Why would you go back and get entangled again in it? So don't leave the cross. Don't leave where Christ has set you free. Amen. You see, the reason why we are not living resurrection lives is because our faith is anchored in something else other than where our victory comes from. It would be like if I went to the ATM machine of the bank that I bank with, and I stick in a cold charge card in there, and I think that money's going to come out. Ain't nothing going to come out, is it? Why? Because I've not put the right card in. I can go to that machine all day long, but until I put my debit card in there, I'm not going to withdraw what I have. Amen? You see, you and I have got benefits. You and I got victory. But if we're going to draw out that victory, you're going to have to make sure you put the right card in, and it better be the blood of Jesus Christ. See, we want to go to it with works. We want to go to it with our reading and think we're going to pull out. You won't pull nothing out just like you won't pull 
running out of your ATM machine unless you got the right card. There's only one card that will help you draw that money out. There's only one thing that we can bring before the Lord that will pull out what he need, what he has that we need, and it's the blood of Jesus Christ. Uh -huh. That's it. There's nothing else. There's no other answer whatsoever. You see, you're in Christ, and the victory that he won is now yours because you're in him. That's why we sing it. Victory today is mine. I told Satan, get thee behind, for victory today is mine. How is it yours? Because you're in Christ. Your identity is in Christ. Amen? So he atoned for all sin. He took it out of the way. How? By nailing it to the cross. And when I read that and I wrote that down, it hit me like a just a ton of bricks. If you got a problem, nail it to his cross. Nail it to the cross. But the problem is, is we'll take our sin, we take whatever it is that we're dealing with, and we try to clean it up. We try to get rid of it ourselves. We try to throw it, spiritually speaking, into the trash can and hope that somebody will come and pick it up and take it off. No, take that sin straight to him and nail it to the cross. Why do we say nail it to the cross? Because that's where it was defeated. Because Colossians 2 said that he triumphed over them, making an open show of them. Don't try to hide your problem. Don't try to get rid of it on your own. Nail it to the cross. Nail it to Calvary where it was defeated. Amen. Amen. See, to have his grace to continue to manifest in our life and in order for us to live with him and have his victory reigning, then we must, must continue to register belief in the finished work. Death lost its grip on Christ Jesus when he rose on the third day. And because he arose and forever lives, you and I now can live victorious over the sin nature. Amen. You see, his victory over death has secured my victory over the sin nature. I'm victorious today. I'm victorious over what used to hold me into captivity. You and I should be walking on top of the surface, not them on top of us, right, right. but not in your own power because you're in Jesus. Because you're in Christ Jesus. You should be able to walk on top of the serpents, on top of the scorpions. Why? Because you're not walking in your own power. You're walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. You see, if the sin nature is ruling us, it's because we are doing too much living. Paul said, I am being crucified with Christ. A person that's crucified is a dead man. Amen. Yeah. And so if we're not living and seeing victory, it's because we're doing too much living. We are to be dead. Our identity is in him. It is now him that is living inside of us. He don't want you trying to live it. If you do, you're going to cause problems. We are to stay dead and allow him to live in us and through us. Amen. The only way we get to this newness of life is by being dead with him. But which means we're going to have to continue to deny ourselves even after salvation. Amen. Verse 9, moving quickly. Knowing that Christ, being raised from the dead, dies no more. Death has no more dominion over him. See, as believers, we are to, again, be aware of what he has done. Notice in verse 3. Notice in verse 6. Notice in verse 9, the first two words. Knowing this. Knowing this. Knowing this. And if you read it in the original translation, it's almost like Paul said, do you not know? Have you forgotten what took place 
When you got saved, have you forgotten what took place on Calvary's cross when Jesus died for you? Have you forgotten that you've been baptized into Christ? And this is the problem. We forget. I was thinking about it the other day. The cross of Christ and what took place has become nothing more but a memory. You know, a memory is something that pops up from time to time. And something that we may see may trigger it. But when you put something into remembrance, you dwell on it each and every single day. See, we should be putting the cross of Christ in our in remembrance. We should be dwelling on it every day. It's almost like the Facebook post. You know, I, I don't personally do Facebook as far as uh, my own account. But I've seen and I've been showed that, that people will have what's called memories to pop up. To remind oh, this took place last year. And that's how we treat our salvation. That's how we treat what Christ has done for us. It becomes a memory that pops up from now and then. When we should be remembering it each and every single day. We should be looking to what he's done. And it becoming a part of us each and every single day. I am no longer my own. I don't belong to me anymore. I belong to Christ. Christ died for me. I'm no longer living. But it is him that is living inside of me. Quit treating the cross of Christ and what took place as a pop-up memory and start walking in remembrance of it each and every single day. Amen. Because if you don't, you're going to forget this. And when you forget this, then you're going to be cause terrible problems because when you forget it and when you don't put it into remembrance, you've only got one other place to be looking to, and that's to sell. But if it's in remembrance and you're dwelling on it each and every single day, you're given the power of the Holy Spirit latitude to work in your life. Amen. The fact that Christ was raised by the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit signifies that the death of Christ was accepted. Because he rose on the third day, which again was never in doubt, that just ratified the death of Christ and it just ratified that what took place was and is and shall be enough. But because uh, that, that he was raised, it signified that, the, that it was accepted by God. So if it was accepted by God, the death of what he done, then bring the blood of Jesus Christ to him. Amen? That's what is accepted. Not your works. The blood sacrifice, amen? Death lost dominion because Christ settled the debt that was owed for sin with his blood. And because now you're in him and have died with Christ, the debt of sin has been paid. It's been paid, amen? You don't have to pay for victory. It's already been paid. The debt has been paid, amen? You're not in debt to it anymore. It's been paid in full, amen? It's yours, and now you can no longer be held in captivity. Christ doesn't need to die again. Why? He says it right here. He died unto sin once. He don't have to go back to the cross. I've heard somebody ignorantly, and I say that nicely, say that every time we sin, we crucify Jesus all over again. No, you don't. That goes against the Bible. He says right here, he died unto sin once. Why was it just one time? Because he took care of every sin. He took care of the sin problem one time and one time alone. Mm -hmm. He don't die again and again and again every time that we mess up. He died unto sin one time, one time alone. Amen. It was finished. That's it and that's all. He died for us. He broke the power of sin for us. And because he did it now, we can have present ongoing effects of the finished work each and every single day. The fact that Paul said he died no more meant his death was sufficient. So we don't have to bring anything else to the table hoping that God will honor it. The blood 
is payment enough. Amen. So now we can pull up to the table of grace. Yeah. Death cannot hold Christ. Sin cannot hold me. Why? Because I am in Christ. Death lost its grip over Jesus because he was the perfect sacrifice. And because I am in him, sin has now lost its grip over me and cannot hold me in that captivity anymore. Last verse, Hebrews 9 and 12. Neither by the blood of goats and cows, but by his own blood. His own blood he entered into once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. Why did he enter once? Because it was done. He didn't go up there and it's not sufficient. Then, okay, let me go back and do something else. He entered in one time and one time only because the blood was sufficient enough. Amen. The curse of sin was broken. The power of sin destroyed. He entered in once because the blood was more than enough. And when he entered into the holy place, he took that blood. He placed it on the mercy seat for you and I, purchasing our eternal redemption, meaning it can never be taken away. He purchased our victory that can never be taken away. Why? Because the blood has been accepted. Amen. Amen. Sin that shall therefore now no longer have dominion over you because you're not up underneath law, because you're up underneath grace. Amen. 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 Thank you guys for being with us tonight. Thank you guys for joining in with us online. We pray that something has been said and that has been a great encouragement. Amen. I'm so thankful tonight that my victory is not found in anything else but the main Christ Jesus and what he has done for us. Amen. Amen. Let's just close out with the word of prayer. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you again tonight for your word. We thank you, Lord, for the help of your Holy Spirit, God. We pray, Lord, that something has been said, Lord, that would help us on our walk with you. God, I pray, Lord, that those that may be struggling, Lord, with sin in their life, realize, Lord, that you died, Lord God, one time and you handled the sin problem and that today, Lord, we can walk in victory because of what you've done. Lord, help us to keep our faith anchored in you and you alone Lord not looking to ourselves not looking to anything or anyone else but looking to the person of Christ to the activity of what was done for us at Calvary's cross and Lord I know that we shall reap the benefits Lord of your finished work Lord we thank you tonight Lord for who you are Lord and that we are in you be with us Lord as we go our separate ways until the next appointed time that we come together and we'll forever give you the praise for it all in Jesus name and everyone said amen Amen and amen. Again, we thank each and every one of you for being here tonight. Those of you that have watched, be back with us on Sunday morning at 1030. We love you.